Thank you for taking the time to listen to Sunday sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. Before we begin, here's a special message from Papa Herman, an elder at Southside. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. When I say this is an invisible, unshakable, glorious kingdom, I find that too often we depend on what we see and as to how we measure everything. And if we limit ourselves to only what we can see, then we absolutely miss the spiritual realm. You've been called to be activated and released in the earth to show forth the glory of God. You're called to be salt. You've been called to be light. You've been called to be leaven. You're supposed to be changing the things around you, not joining in with what the world wants to do, but say, hey, this stuff is wrong. The Bible tells us that in the end, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. If we are not rooted and grounded in our relationship with Jesus Christ, then we will surely be shaken. In today's message, Pastor Eddie Mason continues his series on the invisible, unshakable, glorious kingdom of God and how it applies to our lives. I want to continue to talk to you about the invisible, unshakable, glorious kingdom of God. Now that's a mouthful. So turn to your neighbor and say, it's invisible, unshakable, and glorious, this kingdom of God. And Jesus came and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Understand the tenses that are written in this scripture. He didn't say it will be given to me. He said it's already been given to me. Jesus is already king of kings. I'll get into this in just a little bit, but I I want you to understand that when Jesus came, the kingdom was, was rebirthed in the earth. It's not going to be rebirthed. It's already been rebirthed. He came into that. And when Jesus was resurrected and seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, the end days began because the books began to be open. And so we're going to talk a little bit about how that's to come to pass. But when I say this is an invisible, unshakable, glorious kingdom, I find that too often we depend on what we see And as to how we measure everything. And if we limit ourselves to only what we can see, then we absolutely miss the spiritual realm. Our God is an invisible God that makes himself manifest through the Holy Spirit. But you just can't see him. He's not tangible from the standpoint of being able to grab hold of him. He's written us his word so that we can have some understanding. I'm of the opinion that the word is just, it's like the first grade reader. It's so, so, so finite and its ability to convey convey the greatness of God, that God's greatness will be so much greater than anything that we can imagine. It's just, we just have to understand how great he really is. It's also an unshakable kingdom. That means God's not waiting for anything to happen before he has established the patterns of the things that are going to happen in the earth. Our God is not shaken. I don't care what happens in the earth. I don't care when they set off a nuclear bomb. I don't care when when the coronavirus or the 
the hippo virus or whatever virus they want to send around comes, God is not shaken. He's not caught off guard, and he's not going to be, he's not going to be wishy-washy in his decision. I, I love it when people come to you and say, God said that I was to do this. And a week later, they said, God said I was to do something else. And a week later, they said, God said I was going to do something else. About the fourth time they do that to me, I say, well, you know, God needs to make up his mind. He's having a little trouble. God is not a wishy-washy God. Our God is a God that when he says something, he means it to come to pass. And this is the thing. If you're not willing to do what God has asked you to do, he'll find somebody that is. Isn't that a great thought? His will will be accomplished. I want to talk to you about the glorious kingdom. The glorious kingdom means that his church will be glorious and victorious on the earth. But what makes it glorious and what makes it unshakable is the fact that our God is sovereign. He is sovereign. In other words, I read these last week. I want to read them again. What God said will happen will happen. doesn't make any difference. In Job 42.2, Job said, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Whatever you have said, it's established. It's a done deal. Nothing can change what you've said, God. Isaiah 14, 27 said, For the Lord of hosts has purposed, and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? What God has set in order will come to pass. Now, I want you to know in the Garden of Eden, when, Eden, when God created Adam, he said, Adam, I want you to take and I want you to spread the kingdom throughout the entire earth. I want to have you to, for you to have dominion over the whole earth. God has not changed his mind. He didn't back up because Adam and Eve screwed up. He said without a doubt that he will come. Matter of fact, he says that before it's all over with, the justice and judgment of, the, of God will come on the earth. Everything will be destroyed, and he will bring down a new heaven and a new earth. And when he brings in the new heaven and the new earth, there's going to be a new Jerusalem. But you know the new Jerusalem's not a city, it's a people. Oh, let me tell you that again. You missed it. I've heard people teach all my life, the, the bride of Christ is, is the city of Jerusalem. My God is not getting married to a town. Okay? I, I, I'm part of the bride of Christ. I am part of what he's coming for. And so when the new Jerusalem is established, it is established in us. You see, presence is our reward. God is so great and so magnificent. The glory of God being poured upon us now is nothing compared to what it will be. But we get to participate in it right this minute. But what God has set up, it will not be stopped. Isaiah 46, 8 says, remember this and stand firm. He said, my kingdom unshakable. And he said, I want my church to be unshakable. We get into all these flaps about what's going on. We get, a, we get so nervous, and what's going to happen to the church? What's going to happen to the church? Well, if you'll read the book, you'll find out what's going to happen to the church. The church is going to overcome and bring glory and honor to God, and the judgment and justice of God is going to be poured out, and the church is going to rule and reign forever. What else is there to it? How do you know that? Because God said it, and I believe it. Whether I believe it or not, God said it, so it's going to happen. Am I making any sense to you, or have I just gone way off into the in the glory land here. I, I'm told you I've been studying and I'm getting excited. Isaiah 46, 8, he says, stand firm on this. Stand firm. 
How do you think the apostles were able to stand firm? We see them at one point in time, and Jesus is talking about being crucified. They're waiting for this Messiah that's going to rise up and establish an earthly kingdom. And in his earthly kingdom, it's going to replace the Davidic kingdom. And the Davidic kingdom conquered all the territory around it. And so this new Messiah was going to bring Israel back to the glory of the days of David except that they didn't understand. God said the glory of the latter kingdom is going to be so much greater than the former kingdom. There is no comparison to what has taken place. But they were so they were so unstable in their thinking that when Jesus was crucified, they scattered like cockroaches. And even Peter followed them around and then denied him. The only one that even showed up to the crucifixion was John. Try that out. But later... We find these same men being persecuted, being tormented, being tortured. They have grasped the fullness of the idea that the kingdom of God has come on the earth and that the church victorious has started with them and they refuse to be shaken because they understand the reward of their God. Amen? They stand firm in that reward. And so the church is called to be an unshakable church. And Jesus has declared that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And so if you don't have a deep personal history and relationship with God, it's time to start now. Amen? That makes sense to everybody? Look what he goes on to say. He said, remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning. What? The book has already been written. The story has already been told. From beginning to ending, God knows it all. Amen? And be careful or you can get into a fatalist viewpoint from that. I'm going to show you where we fit into this here in just a second. He said, from the beginning and from ancient Times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I put this in here because I want you to understand the sovereignty of God. We don't get to play games with God. We don't get to tell God what to do. We don't get to bargain with God. God said, this is what's going to happen, and it's going to happen. Not only is that, but Jesus is demonstrating his authority in the earth through his church right now. Not going to do it. It's happening right now. I want us to quit waiting for something to happen and realize something did happen. It happened over 2,000 years ago when Jesus rose from the dead and ascended into heaven and was seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty where he makes intercession for us, but where he's also sent the Holy Spirit to us to empower us, to encourage us, to strengthen us so that we walk in the power of grace and not in the power of our own strength or our own courage, but we walk in in the power of who our God is. And so we grab hold of what God is doing and his church will overcome because Jesus has declared the church victorious. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, we will overcome. Amen. What are you going to overcome? Evil, darkness. That's what's going to be overcome. 
evil and darkness will be overcome. You see, we live in the place of the kingdom now and the kingdom yet to come. We've seen the beginning of the kingdom and, and we will see the end of the kingdom, whether on this side or on the other side with Jesus, it doesn't make any difference, but we will see the full manifestation of the kingdom. Right now, we're living in that in-between time. When that in-between time, between the time that God said that judgment is being poured out in the earth and final judgment will come to the earth. We live in that period of time. And so the scope of our authority is being poured out in the measure that God wants us to accomplish what he has said he would accomplish in the earth. The eternal presence of God is our reward. He goes on to say in the book of Revelation, he said, to him who overcomes, I will allow to sup with me. Then he goes on and he says, to him who overcomes, I will allow them to be a pillar in my temple. To him who overcomes, you will have everlasting life. And so what he says over and over and over and over again, John says that you will get to stay in the presence of Jesus for all of eternity, and that is the greatest reward that could ever be offered or offered to anybody. Amen? Oh, come on, give God praise. Give God praise. One of the reasons the church has become, uh, become unstable in many of its routes is because God is no longer sitting on the throne, but man sits on the throne. And when man sits on the throne and we have a me-centered gospel, then everything revolves around you and it revolves around me and it doesn't revolve around God. And God said there will be a God-centered gospel that will be preached. The kingdom of God will be preached. God will be the central focus of everything and everybody. God will be exalted and glorified. And we can choose to be a part of that or not be a part of that. His presence is made manifest through his glory through his church. You've not been called to sit on your blessed assurance, as Don Pye used to say. That's way out of the past. You've not been called to sit like that. You've been called to be activated and released in the earth to show forth the glory of God. You're called to be salt. You've been called to be light. You've been called to be leaven. You're supposed to be changing the things around you, not joining in with what the world wants to do, but say, hey, this stuff is wrong. If you don't have love on display every day, then you don't have Jesus being, being glorified because Jesus was the personification of love and that love that he poured out, it didn't stop. It didn't choose by class. It didn't choose by race. It didn't choose by religion. It only chose by the very fact that there was somebody that needed him and he was willing to give himself to them if they would receive him. And most of the people he contacted received him except for the religious crowd. If we are not a people of presence, we'll turn our eyes to the things of the world and we'll exchange his glory for the instant gratification that comes from false security and temporary pleasure. Isn't that what he says? In the last days, men will be seekers of pleasure. They will be lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They will, they will, set, up, they will set up false temples, false churches, and they'll bring in false prophets. And these false churches and these false prophets will glorify the creature rather than the creator. We look, we've been studying in Kings and we see all the Baal worship that's going on and we see all the idolatry that's going on to the point that, that they would take and offer their children up as sacrifice because there are kids in the room, I won't go into the details, but they would offer their children up as sacrifice. They would do all these things. And God said, because you have abandoned me. Let me tell you, a church that does not put God and Jesus 
front and center has abandoned God. I'm just telling you straight up. It's not about how you can live your best life. It's about how you can glorify him to the fullest. And there is a major difference. Yeah, you can give God praise. You can give God praise. We come to the place where we have to understand who we are and not trade the glory of God for temporary satisfaction and gratification. And because of the society we live in, we are a people that love to be gratified. We want to be gratified, and we want to be gratified instantly. I was in the line to get me some uh, uh, grilled chicken salad the other night, and I pull up, and I'm the only one in the line. And so I asked the lady, I said, how long will it be before I can get my grilled chicken salad? She said, it'll take me 25 minutes. I thought we were going to have to go catch that chicken. I can grill one faster than that. But anyway, I said, well, what about the fried one? And I'll just pick the fried stuff off. She said, no, we can have that ready now. I said, just put the fried chicken on there. I'll pick off the skin. So now remember, I'm the only one in line. I pull up there and I pay. And she asked me three times what my order was. And I thought, mm, this could be a problem. And she said, would you mind pulling up? I'm going, for what? So I said, well, you got any idea how long we might be waiting on this thing? She said, oh, it won't be less than five minutes. Fifteen minutes later, I'm still sitting there. And I'm backing up and I'm going, hey, hey, what, what's wrong? And the guy said, we waiting on biscuits. I said, I don't eat biscuits anyway. Just give me my food. I said, it takes 20 minutes to fix biscuits and it takes 20 minutes to fix chicken. Y'all got something out of order here. I was being real nice, right? I really wasn't being real ugly, but I, I, I did back up to the window. Again, I'm still the only person. She finally, the girl comes and brings me my stuff, and, and I smile at her, and I tell her thank you, and I'm very appreciative. And I really was appreciative of doing it. I said, man, y'all got, y'all are, y'all got it kind of struggling here tonight, aren't you, a little bit? And she said, man, we are so busy. And I looked around, and I said, there have been two cars here since me, and neither one of them got in their order either, but I didn't say a word. You see, I, we are so used to having instant gratification when things take a little longer than we think they do. What happens inside of us is we start getting upset. And we want to let some of those little 17, 18, 19-year-olds just know how we feel about it. We're going to let them know that, you know, this is the slowest order I have ever had. If y'all can't get it together, y'all need to get some. Oh, don't look at me like you're so holy. And y'all, I don't ever do that. I know better than that. I've, I've ridden with some of you in the car. Oh, my gosh. You might well put it on a blinder because if they don't get out of the way, they're going to get a rebuke about the slow lane. So anyway, this instant gratification thing has been trained into us. We want to know what our instant reward is. And we live in a society where the instant reward has gotten quicker and quicker and quicker and easier and easier and easier and so self is so much easier to placate than it used to be. It's all we study is how we can make me happy, how I can be joyful, not how am I extending the kingdom of God, not how am I glorifying God in what I'm doing, but rather how can I get what I want to make me happy and comfortable and to heck with the rest of the world. I'm just telling you, we don't get centered on God. You want to know what's happening with COVID and the shakeup and a few people in California saying they can't, they can't meet. And people are saying, we're being, we're being martyrs. We're going to meet anyway. That's not a martyr, folks. That's not being a martyr. They're just standing up there. They're going to go to jail for 15 minutes. But it's just a precursor to what's happening in the earth. 
that 15 minutes will turn into a life thread. And I thank God for those that are standing up and doing it. I'm not putting them down in any way, shape, form, or fashion. But compared to what Paul went through, compared to what John went through, compared to what Peter went through, compared to what's going on in the Chinese prisons right now, compared to what's happening in Nigeria, compared to what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happening in Iraq and Iran, what's happening in most of the countries, the Muslim countries in the world, where if you come up and you talk about Jesus Christ, they immediately behead you. Come on. Are we going to be part of that unshakable kingdom? That's the real question. You play a part, and you get to choose. God said, I've got a plan that's going to take place. You can choose whether to be part or not. Look what he said. I'm going to read it again, Isaiah 46.10, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times not yet done, saying, my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. God has written a story from beginning to end. However, the part of the story between beginning and ending is a state of being lived out with our choices, making a difference in the way we reach the end. In other words, let me put it this way. God is writing, has written his history, his story. It's not going to be written. It is written. And he has given you a part of his story. The only question is, will you play a part or will you choose to do what you want to do? Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, just because the, 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 the beginning and the end has already been determined, you get to choose whether you're part of that story or not. I really do believe that's what the weeping in heaven is going to be about. Is because we will have missed. I know what God has. God has great plans for you. God has gifts in store for each one of us, but we can refuse the gifts and we can refuse the plan and we can choose to follow the flesh or we can choose to follow the Holy Spirit. It really is left in your hands. And God said, it's okay. And like I said earlier, if you choose not to participate in his story, he will find somebody that will take your place in his story. It will come to pass. You see, the promised land was conquered, not by the people who were, who were called to conquer it, but by a whole nother generation. Why? Because the first generation refused to trust in him. And so we get to choose what part of his story we are. In Mark 6, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things, all these things will be added to you. You see, we have to seek the rule and reign of God in our lives. We have to come to a place to where that we're willing to be in his presence and do what he says do no matter whether it's comfortable or uncomfortable. And we do that through practice. And God is so good because he normally starts with little bitty things. He's not going to tell you to go tell Ahab it's fixing the rain. That's what we're studying on Friday nights. He's not going to give you that kind of assignment right off the bat. He may tell you to go, go clean Ahab's toilet, but he's not going to do the other, all right? And so we've got to say, God, I want to learn. I'm willing to be trained into doing the things that, that you do. But you see, a large part of this is overcoming. We don't want to overcome. We are people that don't like to be confronted. We don't want to have to overcome obstacles. We want the easy path and the easy road and the easy way. And we want you to tell us, tell us how good we are and how great we are and how amazing we are and how God's going to pull rabbits out of his hat for us and entertain us and how he's going to bless us and how we're going to just enjoy this life beyond measure. 
We're never going to have tribulation. We're never going to have sickness. We're never going to have death. We're never going to have, well, you haven't lived real long. God has allowed those things to come in the earth that he might be glorified. What? I'm going to take you back to the Old Testament. God showed all of Egypt that he was the only God. How did he do that? He destroyed every one of their gods by turning their gods into plagues. And those plagues came on the earth. And the children of God did not suffer under those plagues, but they had to endure hardship. How do you know they had to endure hardship? Because don't you remember their, their tally of bricks went up? The amount of mud they had went down. The, the straw that was used was taken away. Listen, they were not, the Pharaoh wasn't going in there and saying, oh, God, let's get rid of them quick. He was saying, make it harder and harder and harder and harder. And God said, I'm going to use this that I might bring glory to my name. I will be glorified in all the earth. And so we have to learn to overcome the things that have happened in our life and not just sit there and pout and have a pity party. We need to stand up and say, I am an overcomer. I'm victorious in Jesus Christ. I may be knocked down, but Jesus will lift me up and I will overcome the obstacles that have been put in front of me, not because I'm so great, but because the Holy Spirit of God dwells within me and he does not lose. Come on, give God praise. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone, everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Who? Everyone that's born of God overcomes the world. If we're not willing to overcome, we're not born of God. You don't get to lay down and quit. You don't get to have a pity party and sit around and just mope and complain. If you do, what happens is the same thing that happened to Elijah. Elijah decided that he'd go run off and hide in a cave. Now, God still took care of him, but he hid from God, and God said, Elijah, what are you doing here? Now, the God that knows everything was not asking the question because he didn't know the answer. He wasn't asking him where he was physically. He wasn't asking him where he was mentally. He was asking him, where are you spiritually? Have you forgotten that I'm God, that you would run, or run or away from me and that you would mope and grope, I mean, groan and complain right here, that you would tell people I'm the only one that's left, there's nobody else but me? God said, Elijah, you've got to be kidding me. What is that saying? Put on your big girl panties. We fixing to ride. Everybody wants to ride with God. Nobody wants to fight the battle. We want to be cheerleaders. God said, I want you to end the game. I want you to be part of what's going on. I want you to, get, I want you to realize who you are, that you're an overcomer. I said it this morning when I, when I began to pray and share with you. You see, when we sin, we act outside our true identity. When we sit down and don't do anything, we act outside our true identity. And we can either choose to be the puppet of our emotions or we can be the man or woman of God that we've been called to be. Aren't you glad you came today? I'm just challenging myself. I don't know whether I'm challenging you or not, but I'm challenging myself, I know, to move forward. He said, everyone, everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? If you believe that and you've got that in your heart, then you need to declare yourself, I am an overcomer, not because I say so, but my God said I was an overcomer. Amen? And I am who God said I am. Overcoming implies one thing. There are things we have to get over. And they're not always easy things. They can be the most difficult situations that you could have ever imagined. As a matter of fact, most of us couldn't even have imagined us having to go through, go under, or go over them. Nobody's going to make light of the travail that you're going through. But God says, go through. Don't stop. Don't quit. You're hurting. You're painful. You're bleeding. You've been wounded. I understand. So was Jesus. But he overcame every bit of that for each one of us, and he will overcome it all for us right here, right now. Come on. Give God praise. Turn to your neighbor and say, overcomer. You are an overcomer. But that means we're going to have to overcome some stuff. I don't know about you, I've had to overcome some stuff in my life. I don't like it, but I have. Revelation 12, 9. And the great dragon was cast down, the old serpent, he that is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was cast down to the earth, and his angels were cast down with him. And I heard a great voice in heaven saying, Our God. And, and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down. He accuses them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they loved not their life even unto death. It said that he was cast down, but he was in opposition. I'll read you the commentary here in just a second, but let me just break it down real plain. There is evil in the world. And if you don't believe it, just look around. I mean, I don't know. I've heard anywhere from 29 to 42 kids were taken, that were set up in some kind of sex trafficking scheme here in Atlanta, Georgia. And they were, they were saved. Well, if 39 were saved, how many? Got, yeah, come on, you can give God praise for that. But how many got through? Who is so depraved that they would steal a child and would sell a human being? That depravity didn't come from God. It doesn't even come from man. That kind of depravity comes from the evil one. It comes straight out of the pits of hell. There is nothing that is redeemable about that action. And that's just a tip of what the evil is that's in the earth. Now let me, let me take you to the next part of that. Satan has pitted himself against Almighty God. The only problem is when that book was written, he lost. Jesus came to earth and brought the kingdom, made open shame of who he was, declared his victory in hell itself, took the keys to death and to hell, and he ascended into heaven. And so Satan knows he has no chance against God. He also knows that God's plan is to be victorious through the church. 
So his secondary attack is not God directly. It's God in you. It's the church that he has made up his mind that he will come against and he will try to destroy as many lives as he possibly can. And if you don't understand there's an evil in the world, if you don't understand the, the reality of the spiritual world, then you're well going to wake up and one morning you're going to say, what in the world has happened? And all that's going to have happened is the enemy is going to have orchestrated an attack against his church and he wants to take you out. He has a threefold mission, kill, steal, destroy. Kill, steal, destroy. Kill, steal, destroy. And for us to act like he's not even prevalent in the earth is a mistake. It causes the church to go to sleep so that while the, while the power and the authority of God is in the earth, we're sleeping and the enemy is working. And God's saying, I'm ready for my people to stand up, wake up, and declare my goodness and my glory and let my name be exalted in all the earth and refuse, refuse not to overcome. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm an overcomer. Because Jesus overcame. I want us to get in our heart that we're overcomers. We overcome. How? The blood of the Lamb. Not your blood. Not your blood. But the blood of the Lamb. The word of our testimony. What is your testimony? What is your testimony? And if it's just Jesus saved me, that's a great testimony, but we need to have daily testimonies of what God has done, that God is our God. Testimony is I may be in a pit right this minute, but my God will elevate me to heavenly places. I'm not looking at the pit. I'm looking at the king. And the king sent a lifeline to pull me out of the place that I am in. Why? He overcame. I'll overcome because he abides in me. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.